asking me to speak um, tonight. I'm just so everybody knows I've never spoke before. This is new, so hopefully I can do this. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for coming. If you're new here, um, give it a chance. Um, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous was the last place I wanted to end up, and today I'm very, very grateful to be here. Um, thank you for all my friends that came to see me and support me. I appreciate it. That's what Alcoholics Anonymous has always been about. You guys are awesome. Thank you. I'd like to thank Ian for coming, my son. <laughs> um, you know, for me, how it was... Um, Early on in my childhood, I grew, grew up with alcoholism. Didn't make me an alcoholic, but um, it's riddled in my family. Grandparents, parents, both sides, aunts, uncles. Um, there are five of us kids. Four of us are alcoholics. One scared to death and doesn't drink. Um, and when she does drink, she gets a little carried away. Um, you know. I had an older brother that was a year and a half to be exactly older than me. So in our family it went the oldest sibling who got that attention for being the oldest sibling. Then it was the smartest sibling who got the attention for being the smartest sibling. They were both girls. Then a brother who worked his rear off on the ranch and me. I was the youngest child. And so for a long time, um, being the youngest child, you can get away with murder. Um, and then eight years that sunlight and sunshine was taken from me, there was a, a sibling that came after me. And um, he stole my parade. He rained on my parade. And I actually tried to get um, rid of him and got caught. And um, I tried to suffocate him with a pillow, and I remember doing it. My mom came in, and I told her I was adjusting the pillow. Um, he needed to go, and he needed to go quickly. I was never left alone again with him. Um, which is just fine. Um, and, and it knocked over the table. Um, <laughs> you know, my older brother of the year and a half um, was full of mischief, and I followed right and fell with him. My parents would have very, very elaborate parties, and there'd be lots of mixed drinks around, and my older brother would insist that I follow him around and have him drink these drinks. And um, I always ended up sick, and I didn't know why. At that time, I was too young to know what the alcohol was doing. It didn't make me feel good. I just ended up sick. Um, I didn't realize what alcohol could do for me for my freshman year in high school. Um, it was the first weekend. Um, uh, my freshman year, my brother was a junior, and um, him and his friends went in one car. We were told um, by my brother we were to follow him in another car to a dance after a football game, and we did so. He handed all his girls bottles of alcohol, told us to go in the bathroom, down him, and come out and dance with his friends, and we did. And all of us got sick, and all of us loved it. And we followed him along all through high school like that. It was him and his friends, and me and my friends. And um, we were quite a posse. There were probably 40 teenagers in our neighborhood, and every Friday and Saturday night, they either ended up in our front yard or our backyard, which was fine with my father because he could keep tabs on us kids. And that's what my brother and I were um, always drinking buddies. So um, my dad knew we'd be drinking together. And my dad kind of wanted to keep tabs on us that way. So we did that. Um, you know, I noticed in high school that um, when I uh, was – Drinking, um, something usually happens as a consequence to my drinking. Um, one year, a bunch of us girls went up to, we had a cabin, and we went up to Wilsonia, and 
we'd had a lot to drink, and we thought it would be a great idea. We went and sold horses from a horse uh, corral up in Grant's Grove. And uh, one of my girlfriends ended up um, being hurt, and the horse I was on because I was drinking too much trampled over the top of her. And we had to make up elaborate stories, and my, my parents had to bring us down from the mountains because she was hurt. Um, my brother and I, uh, we had a, a ranch. I don't know where I am in this building. And um, when we were when we had had too much to drink, we were afraid we were going to get caught by our parents. We'd go out to that ranch and drink, and we usually ended up in trouble out there. Um, somebody usually um, ended up hurt or very very sick. And um, I would like to say that we had a blast. It was the best time of my life. Um, I would never trade it for the life of me. Um, it, it, it was a very very good. I, I had a, I had wonderful siblings. Um, we all love each other to death. We all beat the hell out of each other our whole life, but we all love each other to death. And that was really important. Um, I knew that my drinking was really, um, I don't want to say a really, really big problem. When I, went, when I went away to college and nobody drank like I did, and people started saying things to me about my drinking, um, you know, people would say that I needed to slow down, and I didn't know what that meant. Um... Where we came from, um, we were big funnelers. We liked the funnel, put the beer, all the beer, and the bomb would drink it at once. <laughs> and we would have contests with time, lots of stopwatches. And when we went away to college, people didn't do that. They didn't, they, they didn't, they thought we were kind of weird, my brother and I. And, um, when I went away to college was when, um, I started blackout drinking um, because I started, instead of drinking um, straight beer, um, we started mixing things in college. And, you know, uh, at parties, people had open bars. And um, so I soon learned um, what a blackout was. Um, at that point, um, I also was going places with people I probably shouldn't be going with, um, doing things I probably shouldn't be doing. And um, at that point, um, really had no business drinking. Um, people would say that I drink like an alcoholic, and and I knew that, but I thought it didn't it didn't bother me for some reason that they would say that. Really, um, I think deep down it bothered me, but on the outside, I wasn't going to let you know that it bothered me. And so um, I continued to drink that way. Um, It was um, it was a very very scary time in my life. Um, my brother's wife now, um, who lives in Lemoore, we used to do what we called rail driving, and um, she would be she usually did the driving because the phone was going to get busted. I wanted her to, um, and she would drive with her because I was drive I dominated, and we both hold on to the steering wheel, and we drive, and we could, we could, we would laugh, and we still giggle about it this day, neither one of us drinks this day, but we would do rail driving, which was very, very dangerous, and I started taking a lot of risks when I was away at college, because, you know, the heat was off me, I was at home, my parents couldn't manage my drinking, I could manage my drinking, and I started having to manage my classes around, um, I started managing my classes around my drinking, so I took classes only on Tuesday and Thursdays because I could drink the rest of the week, and I'd have the whole weekend, 
and, you know, most people were studying on Sunday night, but I still got to drink Sunday night because Monday I didn't have classes. So then usually if I drink Monday night, I wouldn't end up going to Tuesday classes. And, um, but finally ended up, my first quarter away at school, um, I had a great GPA, and I got called in by this man, and he was my counselor. I didn't know who he was. And he asked me if I had a drinking problem. I, I, I never met the man in my life, and I thought, did I have a drinking problem? Like, how would he know whether or not I have a drinking problem? And he said, most people that come to this college, if they can't get it together and their GPAs drop, they have a drinking problem. And I thought, oh, shit, the heat is on. So I thought, well, I better uh, make excuses and start getting to class. And I did. I pulled up my GPA just a little bit, and just enough to get me out of the heat and out of that guy's office. And um, what ended up happening was my uh, mother was in a fire, and she was very badly burned. And I wasn't doing so well in school, and I was going to get busted. My dad was going to yank me home anyway. So I made up the excuse that my mom was too sick for me to um, stay away long enough. And so um, I didn't continue my education, which was a huge waste now that I look back at it, but that was what happened at that time. And so um, what I did was I stayed home, and I partied with my friends, and I met my drinking buddy. And um, after three years, um, I married my drinking buddy because my mom was sick and tired of me not being home. Um, I stayed home to take care of her, and she was sick and tired because I wasn't taking care of her. She was busy out drinking. So um, I married my drinking buddy, and um, it was a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun. Then nobody could really manage me. I could manage myself, and um, that was really important to me. I thought that um, I was a grown-up because I could drink when I wanted to drink, how I wanted to drink, and um, I drank like a pig. And um, I, I managed to learn that if I only drank beer, I'd pretty much stay out of a blackout. Um, I started drinking, um, and I knew that there was not, I had to start drinking before we went to the party because there was not going to be enough alcohol at the party for me. I don't know if anybody drank like that. Um, I had to, um, I was one of those people that had to stay the last one at the party. Um, when they were dying for everybody to leave, I was still there. Um, I was a midnight caller. Um, I would get on a dial at midnight. Um, my siblings got tired and stopped answering the phone. Um, and I knew my life was out of control because I was a great employee if you could get me there. If you could get me there and keep me there, I was really good at what I did. The problem was that I still drank like as if I were at college and I only needed to be working on Tuesday and Thursday for the rest of the week. I used to hardly get me there. And um, I thought since I was an adult um, that it didn't matter that you couldn't get me to work. You know, I didn't think people would actually fire me, and they did. Um, so when I did to get the heat off, because my husband was getting a little bit upset um, with my drinking, was I decided that if I had children, I'd quit drinking. If I had children, I'm sure I'd slow down. So um, I had, I got pregnant and, of course, immediately quit drinking, and I thought, well, I couldn't be an alcoholic. Because I could quit drinking. How can I be an alcoholic if I can quit drinking just like that as soon as I found out I was pregnant? So obviously I wasn't. And um, I was really thankful for that. There was this, like, thank God, you know, I'm not like my dad, you know, who could never. And so um, 
I had my first child, and um, I could hardly uh, wait until he was on the bottle so I could start drinking again um, because you couldn't drink and nurse and et cetera, et cetera. And so um, my um, first experience back with my alcoholism was um, my son was two weeks old, and it was my, I want to say my tenth class reunion. And um, my best friend from high school was going to take care of Ian for me. And I knew I wouldn't drink because I was still nursing. So I knew I wouldn't drink. And I knew I was cool. I could go. And so um, on I went to the class reunion. And about um, 4 o'clock in the morning, she finally got a hold of me. Because I told her I'd be there by 10. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, um, we showed up to take care of my son. And um, she, thank God, had gone to the store and gotten bottles for him. Because I didn't drop off bottles. Why would I drop off bottles? Um, she wouldn't need them. I was going to be there. I knew I was going to be back. And um, her husband, she was leaving for Saugus to go on a Christmas trip of some sort. Or, or she was going something to do something for Christmas shopping at that point. And so she was, her husband was really upset because he had to listen to Ian cry for two hours while she had left with her mom. And so I was really apologetic to her, and um, the drinking was back on, so I got pregnant again. And um, with my second child, um, I knew that, I knew the cycle, and I knew the trouble that I was in. And um, so I thought, well, I won't, I won't, since I know the cycle, I know that I won't drink after I have my daughter. I'll just, no drinking whatsoever, and I know I can quit now, I'll just, off and I won't drink anymore. And um, I was eight and a half months pregnant with her, and we were on a train from, I tell you, a friend of the spaghetti factory, and um, my sister walked past me. She said, well, you know, the doctor told you you could have one drink. She said, well, let's go have a drink. So I thought, okay, eight and a half months pregnant, I'll just have one drink. So I go down to the bar cart where everybody is having a blast. And, you know, I'm kind of a little pissed off because everybody's drinking and I can't drink. So I go down to the bar cart. And I'm looking and I said, well, what's the biggest drink? <laughs> and my sister, my sister's looking at me and she's like, well, what do you mean what's the biggest drink? Well, I thought if I could have one drink, I needed the biggest one. So needless to say, she ordered me um, a wine spritzer kind of little, super little Seven up with a batch of wine. And um, I went to the back of the car with her and I drank it. And I don't know how to explain the feeling that I had, but to say that there was a beast inside of me. I, hadn't, I didn't know what I had done. I didn't know enough about alcoholism to know that I had awakened that beast. And I made every single person on that train miserable. I made every single person at the spaghetti factory miserable. And I went to sneak back to the cart to get one more drink. I wanted one more of the big ones. And I'm standing there ordering, and all of a sudden, the chill just goes down the back of my spine, and both my sisters are standing behind me busting me. And I'm like, didn't order it with wine. And of course, the man at serving me said, well, yeah, you did. And so, it was it was a long trip. It was a, a very long trip back to Visalia. Um, 
It was it was it was horrendous, and and I was I was really scared at that point because of the the feeling that that internal feeling that that had given me as far as being eight and a half months pregnant, and and to me not caring about what I was carrying inside of me, and so that scared me. Um, about oh, say three or four years later. Um, my disease progressed. I started having jobs, and when I couldn't make it to work, and I was quit before they were just about ready to fire me. I always knew when the heat was on, you know, when people would have towers out, you'd see the big X's the day that I wasn't there. And so I knew that I would need to quit. So I was kind of a job hopper, but I was still really good when I got there. I was really good at my job when I got there. I was really proud of that fact. Um, I drank like a pig. And I, I did this thing that, that I know now what it is, is um, where I worked, our big thing was we would go to Lum Lums for a happy hour, and a group of the gals would go. And my husband would say on Friday night, why don't I take you and come back and pick you up? And I would say every Friday night, I'm only going for a drink. Honestly believing that I really was really only going to have one drink, just one drink. And I did that continuously, continuously. And my husband would have to come get me, or we'd find my car on the front yard, or he'd go looking for my car, or, I mean, just tons and tons and tons of things. And, and I just didn't know at that point what alcohol was going to do to me. I didn't know if I was going to be your best friend and cry your shoulder all night or if I didn't know if I was going to knock the hell out of you for something you had said to me. And it was very, very scary. Either way, I went. And um, I uh, took a trip uh, up the mountains, um, getting close to the end, and I drove in a blackout on the way home with uh, both my children in the car. And um, when I got down and I woke up out of the blackout, I was very, very scared. Um, I um, had this thing. My husband and I had a waterbed. And uh, I'm almost embarrassed to tell this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I had my husband convinced that it had a hole in it. And it was actually me. Um, I had lost control of my bladder. Um, I found myself sometimes in the closet using the restroom. Um, it depended on if I mixed alcohol, where I was going to be, doing what. And um, it, was, it was very, very scary to me. And one night, um, my husband um, had been busily up helping some friends um, add on to their home. And he had been spending weeks and weeks up there on in building this um, tackle shed for, the, for our friend's home. And he promised he'd put planter boxes up at the, um, front of our, in the front of our house. And so that night he came home and he was a little bit, had a little bit too much to drink. I'm sorry. He invited me up there that night and I saw this beautiful tackle shed. And um, I was a little bit pissed at him, so I decided not to drink because I was afraid I'd knock the hell out of him. So I came home, and when he came home, I insisted that he put the planter boxes on the front of the house. And he'd had too much to drink, and so um, I started to drink because I was pissed off at him, and I was damned I wasn't going to get those um, planter boxes in the front of my house. And this is the insanity of the alcohol, and it's thundering, and it's lightning, and he's got extension cords out on the 
front of the door. I would hit it. It's thundering and it's lightning. And I'm watching him at the front window just drinking and drinking. And I'm thinking, this is going to be good, you know. And so, um, I want to say about 11 o'clock midnight, he finally finished with my planter boxes. And I go out there, and I look at him. I can't tell if I have too much to drink or what the hell's wrong with the planter boxes. And I'm looking at him, and, and, and he, he's 20 feet to the wind. And so I proceed to take him into the garage, and we get into a shoving match. And, um... The window behind me breaks from something, I, I hit it somehow or kick it with my back in the heel, and the window behind me breaks, and we get in this huge screaming match, and we get in a huge shoving match, and a huge choking match, and it continues from one room to the other room to the other room, and it's completely out of control, and um, pretty soon the police are at our home. And... Police are asking me if there's anything wrong, and so I showed him the um, bruises on my arms, like the scratches and stuff on my arms. And there's something wrong. You know, this guy's pushing me and shoving me. And in all actuality, he was protecting himself. I'll give him that much credit because I was pissed off, and he was protecting himself. And um, so at that time, it was proposition, and I want to say it was 13, even though it's not the same cause now. You couldn't leave uh, two domestic people in a fight at the same house. One had to go. He was drunk or he was gone. And as we're out, mind you, the whole neighborhood walking, and as we're out, um, as we're out in the driveway, um, taking my husband away, I turn around to go back in the house, and... There's my six-year-old and my three-year-old And the little heads are peeking off the little blinds. And they're crying in their fathers. Being driven away to the police car because their mother can't control herself. And I just looked at him and I walked up his house and I said, you know, where's my dad going? And I said, the police are taking him to a hotel. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, I put my kids to bed. And I apologize, I'll go back a little. I put my kids to bed. And I go in the kitchen cabinet, and I pour out all the alcohol. And I know to do. And I just start pulling out one bottle after another. And I don't know if I'm coming or going. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, in the morning, I get a phone call. It's my husband. And he says, where am I? And I have... I don't know what to say to him. I don't know. I'm pissed. I'm an alcoholic. I don't know what to tell him. And I say, well, you're not here with us. And I hang up. <laughs> because in my sick mind, it's still his fault that he's there and I'm here. It's still my, it's still his fault that we got that chubby match and that we had that much to drink. That's how sick I am. And that morning I wake up and I call his employer and I tell his employer that he's sick and that he won't be into work that day. My girlfriend comes down, the one that he built the beautiful shed for, or whatever you want to call it, comes down and takes my kids to school and, and takes care of them and she knows what's going on and I, and I just ask her to take care of my kids so I can, so I can do whatever I can do and I get up and I go to the courthouse and I go looking for my husband and they don't have my husband. They're telling me my husband is not in jail. 
And so I go home and I make some phone calls and sure shit, he is in jail. So they say, go back tomorrow, he'll be on a docket or something. So I go back the next day and I go through the whole process and they tell me my husband's not in jail. So meanwhile, I'm calling his employer and telling his employer that he's still sick. His employer wants to talk to me. Please take the thumbs of the phone. <laughs> That's not her witness. <laughs> 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 it's all <of> another one. <laughs> and so this goes on for days and days and days. And about the fifth day, uh, mind you, I have a district attorney who has told me now that I have to press charges. If I don't press charges, she's going to press charges anyway. So I let her press the charges, and so now my husband's in huge trouble. The fifth day... Um, I'm sitting there, and I'm at my wits in, and my husband is finally on one of those, those sheets, and he's going to be showing up in this courtroom. And so I'm going to go there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm a mess, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know if I'm coming, and I don't know if I'm going, and I know that I can't drink, but I want to drink. Um, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, how am I going to get us out of this mess? And I'm nervous, and I'm ruffling through my purse, and lo and behold, this little book is in my purse. It's a little itty-bitty tiny prayer book, and the first page I open, it's a prayer, and it says, you put in the words, if dear God, if you get me, da-da-da-da-da, um, I will do this. And so I kept saying, you know, dear God, if you get me out of trouble, um, I won't drink anymore. But I did that for about four hours. I'm not believing it, but saying it over and over so I can make a promise to him again so I can get out of this mess. And so, you know, my husband finally was in front of the judge, and the judge opens a manila folder, and what falls out, I'm assuming it's his feeding ticket and nothing else. And the judge says to my husband, um, is there anybody here to pick you up? And he said, my wife. And he looks out into the courtroom, he can't see me because I'm hiding behind a pillar. So I look, and he looks. And he said, you know, the only advice I have to you folks is maybe you might want to try AA. And my heart just sinks. And thinks, oh, my God. He doesn't even know us. And how does he know that one smart judge, one smart judge, people, I'm telling you. He knew the more since he lived with us. So, anyway, um, we get in the car together. And uh, my husband, I said to my husband, and my husband says to me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he says, you know, I sure could use a drink. And I said to him, that's fine, but I poured out all the alcohol. We don't have any alcohol in the house. I'm I'm not going to be drinking. And he said, that's good stuff to get so I could sure use a drink. And so I started crying. And I cried and I cried. And I said, I can't have, I can't trust myself with alcohol. I can't have alcohol around me. And I didn't realize that that was the beginning of my journey when I said those words. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to try to do it. And um, months went by, and I didn't drink. And one night, um, I had given up drinking, and one night I went out with some girls that were my friends, and we went back up to Wilsonia, and I wasn't going to drink. I was a driver, and it had been three months since I'd had any alcohol, and this whole episode had happened, and... Um, we were sitting there on the desk playing cards, and one of the girls said, well, you can just have a beer. And I thought, oh, yeah, I could just have a beer. You know, not a big deal. And so I just had a beer, woke up at 3 in the morning wondering how I was drunk again and how I had blacked out 
and how I was going to explain. I went to bed up at this cabin, and there was somebody sleeping in the bed with me that was one of my uncle friends. He was in the, just in the bed. They were like, anyway, um, and I was wondering how I did the secret. Because I knew I was only going to have one beer. I thought I was only going to have one beer. And so I swore off alcohol, and um, my sister, one of my sisters got into AA. Um, she went to a treatment center, and um, when she came out of this treatment center, um, there was a change in her. There was something different about her, and I wasn't sure what it was, but she had a meaning and a purpose. She had a big book, and she had a sponsor, and she was going to start working some steps. And I watched her, and I just thought, you know, she just looked different. She had a little different step in her. You know, and here I am, this misery, I'm not drinking, I got six more months of bright, what the hell, she's so fucking happy, and that's bullshit, you know, I got more sobriety, don't you see me, don't you know, I've done it, I've worked it harder, I've been doing this longer than her, and so, um, one day my sister said, um, I'm going to take you someplace, I'm going to take you to a meeting with me. Oh, okay, I can do this, I can go with her, I can, I can do this. She took me out to this meeting out on Avenue 264, and there was a water balloon fight and a squirt gun fight that night, and they were having fun. And mind you, my sister never returned. I've been there ever since. But maybe these My sister never returned because that was not her cup of tea, but that was my cup of tea. I liked it. They were having fun. Um, the girl said she had two years. We were laughing because she spoke here, Rayanne, and I knew damn good well she didn't have two years. If she was off the cute, I was going to believe her that night. Um, we got in the car, and I was a little bit missed at my sister because people had gone around the room and kind of were talking about alcohol and their stories and different things. And I had known she'd gone before the meeting and called people and said, you know, you need to say this because my sister's coming to the meeting. And she was busy calling everybody in that room. Because everybody, someone had something to say that kind of resembled something I was going through or been through when I'd been drinking. And so I knew she'd set me up. And, um, you know, I returned once a week uh, for quite some time. And I liked what they had to say. I did cry for the first two years in AA. Um, not proud of it, but it's what I did. I didn't know what feelings were. They were all over the place, and they usually came out in tears, and that was okay. And, um, you know, I knew that the people in Alcoholics Anonymous had something um, that I wanted. Uh, I knew that um, that somehow they were going to take care of me, these perfect strangers, um, that people um, welcomed me uh, at this end of this table, and that was a huge deal because the big one sat at the end of this certain table with the breath of fresh air, and they asked me to come sit with them. So I knew I had it made. I was in because I was sitting with them. And I knew that was important and um, that was big. Um, my sister let me borrow her sponsor. And I've had her for 11 years since. Um, and I'm glad she let me borrow her. We're a perfect fit, I think. Um, and what's most important that I have learned in Alcoholics Anonymous is my sister gave me a big book. And I actually had to open it up and use it. Um, my sponsor um, not only made me work the steps, she made me work the traditions. Um, I have homework. I like having homework and being busy. 
Um, I don't do alcohol as synonymous perfect by any any means. But today I do it the best that I can. Um, you know, alcohol as synonymous has um, I, I I lost a nephew in alcohol as synonymous who was murdered and they got me to that. I lost a mom. I'm just that's so grateful. <laughs> I'm laughing crying, sorry. I'm just very, very grateful because uh, it's just a wonderful place to be. <laughs>
Um, you know, I really believe that my favorite step is probably um, step one, but admitting every day and turning it over that my life is unmanageable and that I do have to turn it over every day and that I am powerless over people, places, and things because I'm a control freak. And every morning I have to remember that I am powerless. And um, so every day I have to turn it over. And that's huge for me.
thank you for sharing.
that's, that's somebody else's, you know, if I'm going to need something, if my brain is imbalanced and I need something, that's between me and my doctor. It's not between me and my sponsors. Me and, I may talk to my sponsor about it, but I, I wouldn't, I don't share information that I'm not supposed to share information. I just do the best that I can. Any answer? <laughs> As long as it takes them? Good answer? Wrong? Why is that wrong? You know what? I think your sponsor can help you along with that. My big thing is, you know, I had to write a novel, and my sponsor said, hey, boo, slow down. I mean, you just need to make it simple, keep it simple, because there are no novels needed here. So, as long as it takes the person, as long as your sponsor, you know, your sponsor should know. And it shouldn't take me two years. Because we that stagnant. <laughs> okay, next question. I'm doing good now. Thank you. 